0: I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety this week we're watching the entire first series of Mackenzie Crook's comedy, Detectorists and just another final warning we will be talking about the whole of the plot we will ruin it for you, so if you've not already seen Detectorists, go away and watch it now then come back to us afterwards have they gone? right, on with the show Over the last few years, conversations with friends and loved ones have indicated that there was something I was missing out on A hidden gem Something to be treasured Oh, you'll like that, Paul it has got that bloke you like in it Who? You know, him from The Office Ricky Gervais, I mean, he's okay No, 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 no The other one Martin Freeman, I mean, he's great A little overused lately, but No, 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 no The other one with the haircut. Something about metal detectors. You'd like it. It's really, er... Uh, subtle. And so this went. Plenty of recommendations as three series came and went on BBC4. There always seemed like there was something more dynamic, something more challenging to watch. The latest American hit series. The latest messed up Scandi detective drama. A Netflix film that would be better with a bit of a bigger budget. Like they all are. Then there's Black Mirror. And the end of the f- world. The list goes on challenging, edgy TV giving you something to post on your preferred social media about how you think it started well but went downhill after the second series. Don't they all? The world of box set TV can drag you into feeling you can now only watch programs that are always pushing boundaries until all the limits have been reached. Every possible angle of a dystopian future and zombie apocalypse, or mythical beasts fighting humans and somehow the humans winning. There are realistic war scenes with limbs flying everywhere and superheroes that use category A swear words, or comedy designed to shock yours and everyone else's belief system, or, or, or all of these things at the same time. So maybe, just maybe, you need to pay a visit to the Danebury Metal Detecting Club. DMDC. In the Scout Hall, opposite the two brewers on the high street.
1: Alright. And what's all the hands there?
2: Well, compare of finds, discuss the hobby, Uh, sometimes you get a guest speaker in. This Tuesday, Terry, club president, is giving a talk on buttons.
0: Written, directed, and starring Mackenzie Crook, Detectorists, is based around the friendship of Andy and Lance, played by the seemingly flawless Toby Jones. Will they find gold, or merely enhance their collection of buttons and ring while Simon and Garfunkel send them homeward bound? Immature. Are you? No, you are. Detectorists provided BBC4 with their biggest ever audience for a comedy series, and the critics all loved it. Ellen E. Jones, writing for The Independent, suggested the show requires some patience, but it turned out to be one of the best new sitcoms of the year. <laughs> that noise means it's time to get our trails out, dig down to see if the spoiler team had the patience for this subtle comedy or did it just not have enough poo gags? It's a hobby, that's all. Men have hobbies and women don't understand them. It's the way it's always been. Later in the show we'll be taking a look at some of TV's more experimental sitcoms. But first, joining me for a walk through the fields of Danebury are the extremely subtle Andy Goulding and the extraordinarily patient Rachel Burnett. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So, Andy, did you watch this straight away when it was broadcast or did we watch it just for spoiler, you think?
2: Uh, I actually watched it before it was broadcast. I got it as, what? A, as a screener. What? what, 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 a, what? a screener <laughs> to review for website I write. Oh. So uh, it, it just came up on my emails and I thought, oh, it's got Mackenzie Crook in. I'll give it a go. So I got it, and I watched it all through before it had gone out. Right, I'm going to stop you there. Just one second.
0: Sorry, Andy. I, uh, we will come back to this. We've got plenty of time. How do you feel about that, Rachel? Because I feel, I, I, somehow, I just feel, I'm, I, there's no reason why I should fronted. feel put out. I'm really pleased. I'm really, I, I'm, you know, as a friend, I'm really, really pleased with it. No, Great, well no, done.
1: I feel really but affronted. Then, look,
0: yeah, something's, <laughs> something's not...
1: No, that's not right. He saw it right before us, before anyone.
0: I <laughs> well, know, you folded your arms, I'm about to. Right, okay. In the in now you've got a lovely, caring atmosphere, Andy. Sorry, sorry. Do carry on. Where, 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 where?
2: are you? Well, recently, did the third series of this aired? I got that in advance. <laughs> and the second one, but uh, but it aired around November time, so I, I got it around October. And uh, at the time I had a terrible stinking cold and I huddled up under a duvet, it was freezing outside and I got a Lemsip and I I put it on and that Johnny Flynn soundtrack kicked in and we got those beautiful nature shots of Mm. butterflies in sunny fields. And I just completely relaxed. And for the first time in my life I thought, I'm almost glad that I've got a cold (laughs) because it, it just felt so perfect. I absolutely adore this series. I think it's reclaimed good storytelling for the British sitcom and it's also reinstated a feel-good factor that's become deeply unfashionable. Uh, For a long time, the in thing where sitcoms are concerned was to be really kind of cynical and dark and sometimes quite nasty. And certain sitcoms, like Alan Partridge or The Office, did it well and balanced it with a kind of humanism. But for every, every one that was done well, there was a handful of weak imitations that were just tiresomely... Nihilistic and alienatingly cold, and I think Detectress feels like a turning point in that it it tells a compelling, funny, engaging story without feeling the need to absolutely put its characters through the ringer of humiliation and degradation, and without having to have characters who just spew unpc diatribes in lieu of like more considered dialogue and humour and without rejecting the real-life emotional responses and connections that imbue these characters with believability and real human appeal. So I absolutely love it. This was my choice, and uh, normally when we, we come up with choices, sometimes I pick things I think, oh, it'll make a good show. This was one of those ones that I picked it because I just really wanted to share it with my friends, so I'm really interested to hear what everyone has to think about
0: it. Yeah, well, I mean, well well done. I'll get, sorry, Rex, I'll get to you in a minute.
1: <laughs> Chopping at the bit. No,
0: well, no, well, I mean, well done on that because, it, as I said in the introduction, it was a case of oh, these things are going to linger around, linger around, and you know what I'm like with recommendations. As soon as someone says oh, you've got to watch this, I'm saying, oh, I'll pull that to the back of the queue then. um <laughs> But obviously, doing it for spoiler meant that we sat down and we watched it. Rachel, are I, you are you a metal detector?
1: Oh, I really <laughs> want to be. <laughs> I want to be a metal detectorist. um No, I I am so grateful, Andy, that you recommended this. And I, I don't care what your reasons are, I'm just so glad that you said watch this and forced me to. Because I had actually watched the first, maybe even the first two episodes before, and I misjudged it. I thought it was going away that I didn't want it to go, and I thought, I don't want to see that happen, so I'm going to stop watching it. You forced me to watch the whole thing as a complete thing, and Mm. I'm so glad you did because I absolutely and I think adore is the right word, it's a completely adorable thing. It's warm and it's comfortable and it's beautiful and it's funny and it's acerbic and it's real and it's just so wonderful. Um, And you're right, as soon as that first bit starts, that Johnny Flynn and those lovely shots of the English countryside, especially the first two or three episodes where it's sunny, and you just think you feel. Pride at your country a little bit as well. Like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> and um, it makes you want to get outside. And, and you're inside watching TV, but you want to get outside <laughs> and, and do some metal detecting. And it's just lovely. It's absolutely lovely. But the reason that I stopped watching it was when it started to look like it was going towards him being, um, or having a fling with Sophie. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, why? Why would he do this? Because the relationship between him and his wife is so beautiful and so solid and so funny. And so authentic that I thought, he wouldn't do that. But it looked like looked like it was going that way. But I'm not watching this. And I got really... <laughs> and so I didn't. And if I just carried on. See, I did what she did. I just jumped to a judgment and didn't actually look at what was really happening. And so I'm so glad. Thank you for <laughs> recommending it. Because I've watched pleased. all of it now. I'm I've watched all really the pleased. series.
0: But I mean, I think this is probably jumping ahead quite a bit. But I think it's, it's, it's important to bring it up as you did now. Uh, what was it? There were photos of those two, weren't they? And were yeah. They like, it takes, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Their, their relationship must be so strong yeah. because I don't think many no. relationships would have lasted no. that kind of event in it. I do. I just, you know, I just, I just don't, but she's a very forgiving woman, isn't she? <laughs>
1: she is. But then she's also, there is trust and honesty, which you do get from the first episode, which is why when it started to look like it was leading another way, I thought, no, hang on. Cause you've built this relationship where they're sort of bantering and stuff. And she's so funny. And they really get each other. That I thought, well, why is this happening? So it makes sense when it comes to it, where she actually does believe him because they know each other so well. Mm. But I think as an opening episode, now I've watched it, knowing what's going to come, I think the first episode is just incredible. It's setting out loads of character traits, where it's going to go, what metal detecting is all about. Everybody's in that first episode. You know, Larry Bishop's in. The, everything's in that first episode. And it shouldn't. It did make you want to carry on. It was the second episode that made made me get all cross and um, <laughs> because I didn't like Sophie immediately. I was like, I "Don't like you." So you know, I was I was just put off. But I I persevered in the end, and I'm glad I did. But I I just think it's so beautifully crafted.
0: It is now. I've made a note, and I, what I wanted to do is try and lean lean away from this talk having a conversation about about the office. But there are, there are cutaways in this and I, th- I seem to remember in the office there were cutaways to photocopies and things like that and the scene would you call them a scene break I don't know if I'm to trying to be over technical, but the cutaways, scene breaks, whatever they are, just occasionally, like you say, Rachel, of the British countryside, mm-hmm. and you just think, oh, that it just seemed a bit like that was that similar bit of direction. Which mm-hmm. there's, there's no there's no fault in there because no, that was really that's really good direction. Mm-hmm. And I just sometimes when you just look, it's funny. When I was looking at a tree or a bee on a flower. I was thinking, oh, photocopy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's, a, it's the same technique, but it has the complete opposite effect because in the in the office you'd see photocopies and it. it'd be like claustrophobia and, and that kind of buildup of paperwork in the indoors, whereas these, these cutaways to the wildlife opens it up and gives you that sense of being outdoors and that lovely environment, doesn't it? I think mm. it
1: also slows it down. I think this, you're right about subtlety, but there's also something about pace. Mm-hmm. And it, it does. it's very slow, and I love that it is, because metal detecting is really slow, yeah. and you need some patience, and then you will find your gold if you're just patient. And you can appreciate the beauty, although they don't when their red arrows go over and they're like, Whoa. <laughs> which I love. But I, I just think it's it's great in its pacing. I've never watched anything that's quite that slow moving. But those beautiful whatever they are scene breaks, they are lovely and just make you go ah, on to the next bit. <laughs>
0: yeah. But of course, it's not, it's not the only relationship that Andy has. He also has a very close mm. relationship with Lance, uh, obviously played as, as as we said earlier uh, by Toby Jones, who's just it couldn't be more perfect. Could it? it couldn't be. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable. But their relationship is, is is so good because there's one point where uh, Becky is uh, is his partner's name, and. They're having a conversation like that, and he's. It he, he cuts from their relationship and then back to them in the field, where he's talking about what motorbike he would have in a, in a midlife in his midlife crisis, like he even thought about that, and then straight away it cuts to them in the field. And he goes, "Yeah, well, of course, of course, I thought it was a triumph." You know, he, they cut straight to it, and that was it. I it was one of the occasions where I just had to I had to stop it because I was laughing so hard. He's <laughs> like, "Exactly, this is this is exactly it because you know, I, you have those similar conversation, similar conversations, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's absolutely." on the nose okay so we're, we're in we're in danger of it being a a, a loving is there any danger of that though come on we all need a bit of positivity don't yeah. we this is great yeah,
1: I, I don't want to drag it down just for the sake of it no. you know and i would be i mean there was that thing about me being yeah. only watching two episodes and you could say that was a flaw because if i hadn't have been forced to watch it i may never have watched it was there a little bit of an issue there maybe they should have made it more clear that that wasn't going to happen but then you need that little bit of peril but I can't handle that kind of infidelity in a relationship that seems to be working it really upset me and I really like Rachel Sterling <laughs> so why on earth would he ever have a fling outside of that obviously we got past that first and second episode and then we realised oh it's okay he's just an idiot mm. so daft. Yeah, 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 and the, the he is daft just
0: an is idiot. A, daft is the phrase that, that, yeah. that comes to mind yeah, 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 yeah totally. and men are daft yeah yeah, because <laughs> he yeah. doesn't really oh, yeah. actively pursue it, <laughs> no, does he? But no, he, he doesn't—he doesn't, he, he doesn't put her off. He,
2: either. There's a, yeah, there's a few kind of little moments where he doesn't lie, but he doesn't—he yeah. doesn't say anything. When she asks if he's married, he just says, "No, I'm not married." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. And and when she kisses him, he doesn't like go for it, but he yeah. doesn't push her away yeah. either, which is really what he should have done. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's—he's he's played with that kind of. He's almost a bit kind of dopey isn't he? He's kind yeah. of uh...
1: I'm not even sure he's entirely like seeing it sometimes as yeah. well.
2: Yeah.
1: Like when Becky, I keep I want to call her Rachel. When <laughs> Becky, when yeah. Becky comes into the pub and they've got their hands <laughs> on, on each other and, was, and he's a little while before he takes his hand away. Yeah. Because he doesn't think there's anything wrong in it. Cuz it hasn't really entered his head. Oh, I'm in a pub with someone else that's not my wife and she's got a hand on yeah. my hand. I mean initially you would have thought well as soon as she put her hand on yours to say oh well done leave it a couple of seconds and then take it away but he didn't because just doesn't think that way I don't know I'm very forgiving of him now <laughs> 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 which I wasn't before but I am now
0: yeah they managed to turn it around like that so it, I think in a little while we'll, we'll come to the rest of the cast and we'll definitely get to Diana rig. oh yes now the term sitcom covers an enormous range of styles and types of show but some series are undoubtedly more willing to push the boundaries of the genre than others Andy has been taking a look at some of TV's more experimental
2: sitcoms By the time Mackenzie Crook's Detectorists emerged in 2014, the sitcom had reached something of a strange place. The most popular programs in the medium seemed to be backwards-looking, raucously enthusiastic but emotionally unengaging melees of slapstick and one-liners, such as Miranda not going out and Mrs Brown's boys. (coughs) By comparison, the gentle warmth and strong storytelling of Detectorists seemed almost experimental. Experimentalism is probably not the first term that comes to mind when you hear the word sitcom. Depending on what area you grew up in, the word probably evokes either the enduring, if occasionally dated British classics of the 70s and 80s, like Porridge and Only Fools and Horses, or the slick sassy American hits of the 90s like Friends and Frasier. None of these series seem particularly experimental on the face of it, and yet look closer, and you'll find episodes that subtly play with the accepted form, structure, and language of sitcoms as we know it. While lesser examples of the genre are happy to conform to expectations and subsequently stagnate, the best sitcoms are always looking for new ways to surprise the audience and get laughs. Chances are, if the writers can keep it entertaining for themselves, the show will remain entertaining for the viewers too.
0: Philip Morris, America's most enjoyable cigarette, presents... I.
2: Love. Lucy! Sitcom experiments might sound like a modern phenomenon, but actually the best writers have been playing with conventions almost since the birth of the genre. The language of the TV sitcom had barely been established when I Love Lucy debuted in 1951, and this charming slice of 50s family life is frequently mischaracterised as a quaint artefact of the bygone era. Following the exploits of Lucy Ricardo, she balances her domestic life with her regularly thwarted bids for stardom. I Love Lucy usually utilised the time-honoured device of farcical misunderstanding, as Lucy embroiled her husband Ricky and her best friends Fred and Ethel in her doomed harebrained schemes. It's clear when watching I Love Lucy that the show's trump card is the fantastic Lucy or Bull, whose performance significantly overshadows the efforts of her co-stars. The writers were shrewd enough to realise this and, with the classic episode Lucy Does a TV Commercial, created a script in which the entire second act is practically a solo performance.
0: Now let's try it once and remember, be bright and vivacious. Yes, sir. All right. more. The premise places
2: Lucy list, in front of a TV camera to rehearse a part in a commercial for the health-tomic right. Vitamita vegemin
0: Hello, friends. I'm your Vitameter-Vegemin girl.
2: Prompted <laughs> by <a> director, <laughs> she recites the lengthy and pitch boom, over and over out. again. <laughs>
0: a tablespoonful after every meal uh, now you take some oh <laughs> <laughs> it's so tasty too
2: periodically taking a spoonful of the tonic to prove how tasty it is
0: now i'd like to do it once more this time from it's so tasty too it's so
2: tasty too that's right what no one mentions however is that vitamita vegemin has 23 percent alcohol content I get a great big bottle of Midjamin. And the more Lucy rehearses her rowing, The drunker she gets. So everybody get a
0: bottle of this stuff.
2: Lucy does the TV commercial is unusual, and it removes all the series of the main characters from the action for over half the run time. But it is also remarkable for how its humor derives from sheer repetition. We hear the Vitamita Vegemine pitch over and over again, with tiny little variations each time, as Lucy goes from sober, to tipsy, to stinking drunk.
1: Remember that name! Mind up meaty match.
2: Ball's performance is exquisite, as she instinctively taps into the rhythms of the dialogue, creating something that becomes like the comedic version of a chant. The episode certainly casts a spell on audiences, many of whom wrote into the network to demand a repeat run, which, a few weeks down the line, they were duly given. That repetition thing is addictive. Created and co-written by the legendary Carl Reiner, The Dick Van Dyke Show is another series that is often retrospectively viewed as quaint, but was, in fact, an originally important stepping stone in the evolution of sitcom. Based on Reiner's own career, the focus on the home and work life of Rob Petrie, a writer for a comedy variety show, this angle allowed The Dick Van Dyke Show to introduce some snippets of classic vaudeville-style comedy into the sitcom framework. Although workplace and family sitcoms were not a new thing, The Dick Van Dyke Show was rightly credited with bringing new sophistication to the medium, with sharp and unpredictable scripts adding a new dimension to the warm and comforting familiarity of the concept. Midway through its first season, the Dick Van Dyke Show unveiled a deconstructionist masterpiece called The Curious Thing About Women, an episode whose groundbreaking structure actually shows as an approximation of the episode itself being written, before presenting the very events discussed by the fictional writers.
0: Must be kind of disappointed, I only got two letters this morning. No, there were a couple of others. Well, I don't like to be nosy, honey, but where are they? I threw them away. <laughs> you, you threw them
2: away? The episode begins with Rob and his wife Laura arguing (laughs) because Laura has opened and read Rob's mail. Honey, are you upset because I opened your mail? No, honey, I'm not upset because you opened my mail. I'm upset because you read it before I did. Oh, Rob, that's silly. Silly? I feel silly. I wasted all those years learning how to read. (laughs) Rob then goes to work, where he suggests using this argument as the basis for a comedy sketch in which, after having the same argument... The wife in the sketch takes delivery of a large interesting parcel addressed to her husband. Unable to resist having a peek, the wife discovers that the parcel is an inflatable dinghy which inflates to full size.
0: Look it's a boat! And it's inflating right in the closet! It's inflating! (laughs) Laura (laughs) you're a scream!
2: I never had one of those boats! I told you both a dozen times that ridiculous girl on television is not me, she's a (laughs) of my husband's <laughs> when the sketch appears on TV, Laura is furious at Rob for having her look like a wild-eyed maniac. But then the rest of the episode plays out by recreating the events of the sketch in real life. <laughs> Honey, I'm home! One of the biggest mistakes a joke teller can make is preempting the punchline during the setup. But the curious thing about women does this deliberately and in the process enhances the joke considerably by basing the whole concept around the build-up to, rather than the execution of, the climactic sight gag. Somehow giving away the secret in the second scene makes the whole thing even funnier in its deliberate inevitability.
0: Honey, did a package come for me?
2: Debuting in 1972 off the back of Robert Altman's popular film of the same name, the sitcom M.A.S.H. was set in a Mobile Army Surgical Hospital in South Korea during the Korean War. While this sounds like an unusual concept for a sitcom, the early years of M.A.S.H. relied on broad farce as much as the next comedy. But as the series hit its stride, the writing began to mature, with the dramatic undertones of earlier episodes starting to vie for prominence with the comedy. As MASH became more emotionally engaging so its writers grew more ambitious with the storylines they attempted, more than any other sitcom of its era, MASH began to experiment with bold conceptual gambits. The episode Hawkeye followed in I Love Lucy's footsteps by throwing the spotlight entirely on one character, this time for the entire runtime, as Hawkeye Pierce sustains a life-threatening head wound and while awaiting the arrival of urgent medical assistance, has to spend the whole episode talking non-stop to a Korean family you cannot understand them, in order to avoid succumbing to potentially fatal slumber.
0: I'm a doctor, you know? Doctor? How can I make you understand doctor? Maybe if I sent you a bill or an old magazine.
2: The episode Point of View was shot entirely from the perspective of a soldier with a throat wound with viewers seeing through the eyes of the ailing soldier using POV shots similar to those that would be used prominently in Channel 4 sitcom Peep Show decades later. In Lifetime, a wounded soldier arrives at the camp with a lacerated aorta, and the doctors have 20 minutes to perform an arterial graft before he risks paralysis forever. The episode plays out in real time, with a clock in the bottom corner of the screen counting down the seconds.
1: Kelly, time. It's 2.55 in 25 seconds. We're
0: three and a half minutes over, damn it! Maybe the hypothermia bought us some time. Yeah, on the other hand, maybe it didn't. Hawkeye saved his life. Yeah, well, I guess that's something. It's more than something, it's
2: everything. Follies of the Living, Concerns of the Dead follows the ghost of a recently deceased soldier as he wanders around the camp seen only by Corporal Klinger, who, due to a high fever and fits of delirium, is able to communicate with the spirit. And in one of the most discussed episodes of the series, Dreams, We are given a window into the disturbing, surrealist visions and Freudian nightmares of each of the Doctors in turn as they take naps on a rotational basis.
0: A little shut-eye would go down great right about now. You can say that again, even my teeth are dozing off. Compared to the way I feel, Rip Van Winkle was an insomniac. (laughs) Well, good night, folks. If you need me, I'll be
2: unconscious. MASH remains a highly regarded series because of its funny scripts, excellent performances and deft, tonal balancing act. But its insistent ambition and innovation within the parameters of the genre are what make it, for many myself included, one of the finest sitcoms of all time. And now
0: let's shake some action here on two with a new programme for young adults. Once in every lifetime
2: While occasional innovation within otherwise conventional sitcoms is admirable, Take something more cataclysmic to bring about a long-term change in the media. Ones, Created by Rick Mayall, Lisa Mayer and Ben Elton, The Young Ones was the first sitcom to star the figureheads of the alternative comedy scene. A reaction against the racist, sexist and homophobic approximation of comedy that dominated British TV in the 70s. Alternative comedy gained popularity in the early 80s through live performances at Soho's Comedy Store, by such luminaries as Aide Edmondson, Rick Mayo, Nigel Plainer, Dawn French and Jennifer four. Saunders. Good evening
0: ladies and gentlemen! We are the Dangerous Brothers! Brothers! My name well, is Richard Dangerous, and Dangerous! They <laughs> <laughs> very much unusually dangerous, I just all agree.
2: The Young Ones moulded their trailblazing style into something akin to a recognisable sitcom format with a recurring cast of characters, main set and studio audience. Focusing on a group of no hopper teenage students sharing a squalid flat, The Young Ones was immediately seized upon by the younger generation as a TV show finally aimed at them. It's important, it mate! It's
0: now that I want to
2: watch! Although recognisably a sitcom of sorts, The Young Ones willfully rejected plot in favour of a loose theme on which to hang anarchic antics, including violent slapstick, I am Surreal puppetry, Look at me, I'm irrelevant. Jarring cameos. Hello, let me introduce myself. I am God. Live music performances and lengthy unrelated and tendons. Narrative structures were completely subverted, and if the plot was unresolved after 35 minutes, no one gave a damn. Best illustrated in the ending of the episode Time.
0: Oh no! being surrounded by angry medieval peasants. And well, I think they're witches and they're going to burn us. So I'm completely trapped. The outlook is bleak. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> oh,
1: who cares?
2: Meanwhile, in the famous episode Bambi, when the plot runs out of steam, the cast is simply crushed by an enormous chocolate eclair. <laughs> this approach could have seemed lazy and less hands, but the young ones were so utterly different from anything else around at the time. The effect was refreshing rather than frustrating. The No Rules Abandon provided an alternative to the cosiness of the good life. No! No! Bloody bloody! The impact of the young ones on sitcom cannot be underestimated, but recapturing lightning in a bottle is nigh on impossible. Elton and Mail's follow-up series, Filthy Rich and Catflap, attempted to continue the innovations of its predecessor, but its similarities saw fickle audiences reject it as a retread rather than a progression, consigning the series to half-forgotten cult status. More successful was Mail and Edmondson's 90s sitcom, Bottom, which saw them playing similar roles to those they had played in Filthy Rich and Catflap, but in a more realistic setting. Removing the fourth wall-breaking and self-referencing, Bottom channeled the energy of its predecessors into a more realistic, if no less squalid, world.
0: What on earth are you eating? Lard. (laughs) You are eating lard. Yeah, I'm hungry, but I'm too drunk to cook.
2: But the influence of the young ones is clear in Bottom's third series when the duo began to introduce slightly more surreal aspects like the intrusion of a giant hand of god at the end of one episode or a fully costumed dancing girl stepping out of a fridge in another, The young ones influence was not evident in how these insurgents wowed audiences however, but in how they barely battered an eyelid. Such fantastical diversions had evidently been subsumed into the language of sitcom and this was demonstrable in how bonkers transgressions of later shows like Father Ted and Black Books were seen not as innovations but as extensions of the new tradition. With Surrealism becoming the norm, it naturally followed that a backward step towards the traditional formats of old would eventually seem like a braver and unusual step to take. While this has arguably resulted in a less than exciting era for TV comedy, the spirit of innovation can still be glimpsed even in some of these series. Anyone who spent a laugh free half hour with Mrs. Brown's boys may be loath to admit it, but in its unusual mood of leaving the bloopers made by cast members in finished episodes, even this most derided of sitcoms boasts a small, encouraging glimmer of invention. Oh,
0: thanks for that, Andy. Now I think you're you you're right on the experimental field uh, of detective, but I'm going to pick you up.
2: Okay.
0: Oh, I know. i to pick you up on Miranda not going out. This is Brown's points. I mean, I like two of those. I mean, simply, I, simply just because it's it's playing for laughs, which I think for me is is comedy of, of of instinct. And there's a definite balance there. I mean, I think we all met and bonded over. We're not met over Stuart Lee, but I think one of the things that brought us all together, we've all been seeing see Stuart Live, right? We've seen him, yeah. Uh, yeah. our producer, obviously, as well, Johnny. Uh, we're, so, we're all big fans of that comedy that makes you think, pushes yourself, um, and, and certainly leans one way. But I'm also willing to, you know, sit down on a Saturday night and almost mess myself laughing at Michael <laughs> McIntyre's stupid roadshow, you know, or, or big show, whatever he calls it. You know, it's, 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 I understand he's not the, of, the same, of the same thing, but it's all around, it's there, and just that natural... Sometimes natural laughter.
2: No, I absolutely, mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you that it's. Uh, I mean, the, those those three that are listed there. I'm, I'm not keen on, but I like that they exist and they need to exist mm. for the alternative to have that appeal. Mm. If everything was was like detectorists, the then that would become tiresome. Mm-hmm.
0: But also, as you mentioned, Rick Mail. I mean, we here we go. I must point the audience towards Rick Mayle's speech as he receives his honorary detectorate doctorate
1: (laughs) I think you should leave it as a doctorate
0: (laughs) perfect so when he gets his honorary doctorate from (laughs) Exeter University on YouTube now you've got to look this up uh, it's going to inspire you because as well as hearing how he defines equality opportunity wisdom freedom and love better than any poet living or dead it's the point where he says you'll be all right Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that's enough it's just enough Um, and I'm also going to say if you're ever down near Hammersmith go and see uh, the, the, the shrine on the bench uh, which, which is there, still loads of pictures up and big dirty pants sort of, hanging over the, <laughs> over the thing, just in this island where uh, oh, it's this, this, the beginning of, uh, of bottom uh, where, where, where they film that and it's, it's just fantastic. <laughs> so if you ever if you ever happen to be near Hammersmith or even near London, Go to Hammersmith, uh, <laughs> see it, and pay tribute. But uh, yeah, yeah, go. Type in YouTube, extra university, and probably more doctorate than de doctorate.
1: Although <laughs> well, uh, that should be a thing. <laughs>
0: um, so we're definitely going to get around to Diana Rig. We always will. But I'm going to bring in uh, now. There's a subject. I'm the seven series we're in, six oh. episodes per series, specials. All the time when we meet in the pub, I always want to do horrible histories. No one ever else goes for it, <laughs> but here I get a chance to talk about it because Simon Farnaby, the brilliant Simon Farnaby, who uh, to my fellow horrible histories fans out there in uh, spoiler land, hello, stupid death, stupid death. <laughs> yes. So next yes. time, it's right? <laughs> he's in, and he's, he just he, he does crop up here, there, and everywhere, and he's such a distinctive character, distinctive voice, distinctive look, but he's. he's also i think very versatile in that distinction you can always say oh that, that's that guy <laughs> stupid desk guy <laughs> um it was just again it's, it's brilliant I, I was really really pleased to see him in it. i was pleased to see how his character grows through it just about um but yeah it was it was really really good but some of the other characters i mean I, you agree with that right, they're, oh, they're yeah. right oh yeah both of them are great um, but the other characters uh where you have uh is it Vardy who never says any, yeah. anything yeah. Oh. but
1: apparently she's really talkative
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: apparently <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean in later series one, I know if we can, can we spoil later series we can't can we because we said no, we're talking about know, series no series. no we better oh. stick with series one strict isn't it strict. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, boundaries I, boundaries I, speaking of Varda, I'm, I love that, that Louise and Varda relationship and it's I think this is part of like a really encouraging thing we're seeing now which is sitcoms getting more progressive mm. and those kind of jokes about like sexuality and things are dropping out of it because Louise and Vard are a couple and we watch the first series and we know they're a couple, but it's never mentioned at all. No one says anything about it. It uh, just is. Yeah, it just is. And no one and no one questions it I think if this series had been done maybe about ten years ago and written sort of by a less adept writer, there would have been a character in there who either like asks them inappropriate questions or had like an unhealthy obsession with their relationship or something for easy laughs like that but it's not they're just completely accepted and I think that reflects how the world is going mm-hmm. and it's lovely to see that with, the, with our sitcoms, we, we take from them as well as, as give into them. So. Yeah, I mean, even, even Russell, who
0: I, I think would be the character that, if was going to have that trait yeah. in this, with that, that sometimes. I, mean, I I was about to say the word snidey. I don't think he is snidey. He's lighter than snidey, isn't he? He's <laughs> yeah. even wry. There he is. Um, He's yeah. wry. You know, with that rhinesthetic. Rye. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so, trying to find another word other than right Rye, but right No, that's great Go Rye's, it. Rye's, yes enough it's a small word but it's effective um <laughs> so yeah he would be the character that you if you wanted to could do that yeah but they don't do it and you're right the, the fact that they don't do it means so much more
2: mm. i also love sheila and terry i, love Sh- would, yeah. I think they're the heart of the yeah. series for me yeah they love each other and it's not it's never undercut in any way it's never questioned and just in like the looks they they do to each other, and and uh, that's a lovely line in the second. So I don't think it's giving anything away. Okay. It's about uh, they're they're going to go to the Lindy Hop on, oh, yes. on a night when there's a, a detectorist thing going on, and Lance says to Terry, uh, oh, "I see. So dancing is more important than metal detecting, is it?" And he says, "No, but Sheila is." Aww. And it's not it's not a joke or anything. No. It's just a really yeah. it's a it's a lovely moment mm. and. Giving that to those characters and 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 never undercutting it at all. It's just it's beautiful to have that in there.
1: I totally agree. I've put about Sheila and Terry in my in my notes how committed they are to each other and the fact that she always goes with him to the to the metal detecting club and that he goes with her dancing, lots of different dancing, tango tap dancing's is mentioned, mentioned, flamenco dancing is mentioned. <laughs> and I can imagine that's probably not his natural thing, but they want to do things with each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> He'll even drink her lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> which just looks like the most vile thing ever. <laughs> and there's a great eye-popping thing from McKenzie, which is just great.
0: And <laughs> um, uh, Terry's character, again, I mean, we, we talk about that word subtle. We, we, it's, he's officious, but not over the top. Mm. Because yeah. he needs to be, because he's in charge. But... It's, it's not too far. Again, which wouldn't. It wouldn't have suited this, would it? I mean, no. that, this must be a natural writing style for Mackenzie Crook, mustn't it? Rather, you know, I don't think he has to. I, I wonder. You know, I mean, it'd be a good question if if if, if, if we could <laughs> get him on the phone, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> um, where you know and wonder and say, right? Do you have to put these boundaries in, or is that just it naturally? Where you say, right? Yeah, actually, these 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 are the, uh, are the characters.
1: Yeah, I don't think he overwrites. I think you know, like you say, it could be very easy for Russell to be a little bit too questioning about or too snide it could go from right to snide mm. or you know terry could be just too officious and too inhuman and sheila could be completely ditzy and crazy and everybody could have been overwritten quite easily but he hasn't done that he hasn't thought because that would have been a very easy and lazy way to get humor but he knows that actually just humans being themselves is funny enough
2: yeah i don't think he's drawing from any kind of comedy influences no. he? he's drawing from real life, life and that's yes that's how the comedy goes to such unexpected places Mm. because you don't get any any kind of reprised old comedy routine show anything Mm. and even like things that seem a little bit lazy like when when I first watched it and the first few episodes I didn't like the whole invisible dogs thing Mm. I thought it kind of seemed a bit like just a sort of lazy surreal touch but Eventually, that pays off really well mm-hmm. at, the yeah. of the, at the end of the end of the series, yeah. and it's just having that that patience, isn't it? And I almost think of the series as as a film because when I start watching it, I usually watch it all, or mm. I watch it in two big chunks, yeah. and uh, and it does it does take. Away. I mean, when I when I first watched it like like you do with any anything when you watch the first episode, you're not just responding to it as a comedy, you, you're trying to put it together. So it took a while to think, right, what is this and what's its kind of style and how's it going? And it was, I think it was the joke about the Google watermark yeah. was the first <laughs> bit where I, I really laughed out loud. <laughs> and, uh, and then as I got to, I think, like the first time around when I got to the third episode... I was really kind of settled into it and I knew and I, I didn't know where it was going but I knew what to expect of the kind of style mm. and then when you go back and watch it again with all that in place as you say that mm. first episode is really strong.
1: Mm. We haven't mentioned we have mentioned Larry Bishop but not enough of me because I thought <laughs> he was absolutely brilliant and Tim my housemate said the same thing of why Why has he not seen him in anything before? He said he's just brilliant. He absolutely <laughs> loves Larry Bishop. And he's just, the way he goes from being really quite menacing to just, oh, okay, that's absolutely fine then. And um, oh, I got taken off by the police, you know, and he's just, he's wonderful. He really gets a lot out of his part.
2: Yeah. I suppose if there could
0: be a spin-off of anything.
2: Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Him and his dogs.
2: I think one of the person who I haven't mentioned I think excels in, in quite subtle ways uh, Lucy Benjamin yes
1: I was just uh, about to mention Megs. <laughs> yeah
2: and she's because she's awful but not in a a really overt way mm. she uh, she manipulates Lansing but not in a really overt way as well mm. everyone knows it's happening but you don't see it in the dialogue and things you just mm. see it in the way she treats him and mm. And she's just uh, she. I think she plays that really. She underplays it.
1: Yeah, and and it's those little, so brilliantly written. That whole bit about her not remembering how he has his tea. Yeah. And it's little things like that that. God, you've, you've been married to the man. Yeah. You should know he has his tea.
2: Especially when he asked that memorable line about tea without sugar is vegetable soup.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 but oh, and when he closes the flipping shop and does the closed sign, so that his ex-wife can carry on with the shenanigans with her new boyfriend. It's, it's just so tragic. It's just, oh, bless you. You're being so used. But she, you're right. She does it in a way that you don't hate her. Yeah, she's, she's really, because I've only ever seen her in EastEnders years and years previous. Did
2: you ever used to watch Press Gang? She was Oh, yeah, that. was she in
1: that?
0: Oh. Well, that was ITV wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, for our first for me. So, right?
1: oh Pressgram was brilliant <laughs> we should totally do that
0: before,
1: eh? <laughs> oh no I've recommended it now
0: oh. <laughs> oh, not going to happen not going to happen <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and as I promised I mean we do. it does seem like we're going to a list of the characters here but as I promised Diana Rigg I, oh. she just brings I mean there's no authenticity needed but she brings it anyway because yes. she's got it in bundles yeah. she has
1: got it in bundles it's Diana rig. <laughs> and she's very authentic at being Rachel Sterling's mother because she is she is yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, that, must have, elves.
0: that must have worked nicely oh yeah I like it on those things I think there was something where Jennifer Saunders that Josh sitcom on BBC3 mm. yes. uh, Jennifer Saunders and her daughter yeah. her work together and you, yeah. I always have this thing where they go oh, hey, could you uh, phone your mum <laughs> 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 see, see if she's free and you wonder, you wonder how that that goes about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, like, you can't imagine they audition. You go, you go oh, yeah. Jennifer son's is your mum. All oh, right, okay.
1: Well, imagine if it, imagine <laughs> it'd be Finty Williams, <laughs> yes. then you have got Judy Dench as your mum. It's like you know,
0: yeah.
1: so like, Finty, uh. mm.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know your mum. Give her a call. But yeah, yeah, and again, as the series grow, her character grows into being uh, something of a joy. And talking of joy, and I think we've touched on it just about. I mean, the soundtrack here. Um, it's quite something, isn't it? Oh. I mean, really, it's just it's, yeah, it's, it's It's this, it's only this, that guitar, the guitar sound. I mm. mean, you know, just to get into the nitty gritty of this thing, just that guitar sound. Mm. Oh, it's <laughs> lush.
1: It is lush. and It becomes a bit of a cue, I think, for yeah. when you sit down to watch it and it starts and you just, you, fight, you feel your shoulders going down, like, oh, mm. there we go. Yeah. And you're right, you cannot watch one episode mm. if <laughs> you've got access to more. I mean, if you're like me and end up having to watch one episode at a time of series three you're going crazy because it's like you have to wait each week (laughs) but um yeah being able to binge watch that first series i was like literally propping my eyelids open to watch (laughs) as many as i could and then i had to go to bed they fly past they really do and there's one tim and i were watching and it got to the end and tim went hang on (laughs) did you skip it and i was like no (laughs) and it just went like the clappers but yeah on johnny flynn's voice oh my goodness and who was in it, which oh, was fantastic. Oh, yeah, I like that
2: they give him that little yeah, cameo. Yeah, I
1: love that too, because he is an actor. <laughs> I, didn't I
2: didn't know this. I didn't know we're. No, he? he's, in, he's in the pub. He plays, he plays the song in the pub, oh. doesn't he?
1: That is actually him.
2: Oh, of course. Yes, <laughs>
1: indeed. And so. he is a very, very fine actor.
2: I mean, it's, it's rare for me, really, that I I feel that as relaxed as mm. when I'm watching this now. I mean, a lot of TV you watch, you relax because you enjoy it, but it can be sort of it's designed to keep you on the edge of your seat or things like that and mm. this isn't it it moves along at that that beautiful pace mm-hmm. and it's a really valuable thing to have something that completely relaxes you like that yeah okay. even in the sort of the more downbeat moments There's still hilarious things like probably my favorite joke of the whole first series is that you can't turn the tv on yeah. when <laughs> she leaves <laughs> Uh, really and i've been laugh. in that situation i've been i've slept over at my brother's house and then been up before <laughs> everyone else and thought i'll just watch some tv and not been able to make things come on the screen because there's too many different remotes
1: my sister's tv's the same she's got three <laughs> remotes and like four boxes and i'm like what the heck i just want to wa- watch anything just anything <laughs> i just
0: i stood in a shop last week all and hour about whether to buy a sound bar for our tv because mm. you know, we got a relatively cheap TV but it's, it's, it's working so we're never going to replace it while it's working and the sound's a bit rubbish on it and we like to watch a lot of music videos and things like that so I thought, Oh, a sound bar. and it was like half price and I stood there and had one thing gripped me it's another blinking remote yes. nope, no. <laughs> <Exactly. Nope. laughs> you're going to get wedged down the side of the sofa and we'll never see it again and it'll be trapped on really loud
1: I just want to talk about tech just a little bit more okay. only just to say that another thing that makes it so quiet and and the pace lovely and everything else Yes, they do have mobile phones, but they hardly use them. Mm -hmm. You see a computer once. So there isn't this tech-saturated world. It is very much a a sort of analogue world, which is so much nicer. And, you know, even when he gets his little Power Rangers (laughs) detector, which is great, everything's just kind of just the basic or it just is a little noise. Nothing's really techy. The cars aren't techy. And it's just so nice to watch something that's not constant with people on smartphones.
2: There's a scene where because I thought that really nice touch where all his temp jobs resemble yes metal detecting. But there's a scene where does he have a trundle wheel?
1: Yes, he does.
2: Do they actually use them anymore, or Um, do they? I would have thought by now they'd have some kind of measuring device that did it more.
1: I think they do. I think that was an old-fashioned way of doing it. So yeah, I think they've they've stuck with quite a lot of old tech. Yeah, and obviously. um, Lance's car is really old as well. Yeah. So, which is yeah. actually Mackenzie's car in real life. Oh, apparently. really? That
2: horrible? Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah, like the car. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so the trundle wheel. Now, now, it's funny because the producer of this program and I have used a trundle wheel <laughs> when we, uh, we, we uh, for another podcast, we do a silly, silly program called Buried Treasure where we buried some money in the ground. Uh, we use that to measure <laughs> where we'd put it
1: fantastic, See, still being used still being used <laughs> <laughs> just talking about Mackenzie's own things being in the programme, he's found gold himself, he is a metal detector yeah, and he has found gold himself,
0: he's a himself. detectorist he is a detectorist <laughs> excellent <laughs>
1: uh, he's not a de- detoctorist <laughs> although he could well be, but I like the idea that he's found gold, yeah, because well, the chances are that they hardly ever do by the sound of it mm. but that's not what it's about, it's a bit like fishing, it's not really about finding anything it's the process
2: yeah. he owns his own little piece of woodland doesn't he, Does he? which he he bit. lets people use stuff, but he, he goes detecting nerds. No, oh he's so ace yeah. <laughs> which had me and I
0: haven't I haven't do you know, I haven't got any, I got interrupted doing this happens a lot in R.S. <laughs> <laughs> I'd listen to that did you listen to that on Richard Herring's on Richard, Re- Richard, Herring, Richard Herring, Herring's Pur Rehel Esther Pur? and uh, I think I finished listening to that podcast and I went down and I, I think I went past the side it's all it's here's what happened here's exactly what happened I before I lying wish you before. could have seen
1: that everybody there's a little sort of um, flamenco Click clicky thing that happened then it wasn't just a noise it was a dance
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's my gold
2: dance I found yeah. exactly what happened here and
0: I went past the sign I went past the sign drove past the sign that said woodland.com so you can buy woodland Ooh. and I remembered that podcast He <laughs> wasn't after this thing, I remembered that podcast and so I thought well obviously I was driving at the time so didn't you know I'm not going to be looking to it right there I thought I'll do that when I get where I'm going I've completely forgotten about it I've just remembered now when we go to the pub after this, <laughs> remind me. I genuinely You're going to buy some
1: wood. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes.
0: <laughs> I can't afford to buy a house. I'm going to find somewhere to pitch a tent. Why not? In a wood. <laughs> the midges. Um, right, okay, so the the wrap-up and the end of this, this particular series, we can only talk about series one now. Oh. I, mean, I, find it, I find it difficult to believe that there are people listening to this that haven't gone straight on to series two and three. Mm-hmm. One of my questions here, and I'm, I mean, what a... Blinking idiot for writing it, even. he says, yeah, I take it from here. You continued to watch series two and three. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Of course. you Right, OK.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, everyone
0: else in the country. Oh, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, this is only now run for three series, and that's it.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and that is it. But there are... I mean, there's a campaign. There's a petition started. A Ooh. petition started to bring it back. But I just think, well, you can't, you can't do that. No, you no. can't <laughs> force someone to write something. If, it, if it's not there, you know, I think people are saying, oh, all a Christmas special would be nice. It's that. And I think, well, I mean, we can't talk about how the ending of Series 3 wrapped up, but, but it's not needed, is it?
2: No, I, I don't <laughs> think Mackenzie no. Crook will, will no. do it either. And Toby Jones always said he would only do another series if the scripts were right mm-hmm. and I, th- I think the the dedication to quality in the castle yeah. will mean that it it won't come back. I mean mm-hmm. to be honest when I saw the first series and it hadn't been like a massive hit straight away and th- I did get that sort of thing like we talked about when we did Fleabag where I thought that is a, a perfect mm-hmm. series. I don't know if I want any more of them. I- I'm really glad they did more yeah. but I am kind of glad that they stopped now mm-hmm. because I think I I don't want to see it decline in quality. Mm. And I think those three series and Christmas special, it's a perfect little package.
1: No, I totally agree with you.
0: Okay, right. Rating time. (coughs) Is it going to be a gold dance? (laughs) Or a year's subscription to Ring Paul Monthly? (laughs) 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 Um, Well, yeah, so we're doing a gold dance, right? Of course. (laughs) The, which, which, uh, the, the spoiler gold dance is that flamenco style we're going to need to put some kind of youtube video on <laughs> it
1: castanets so yeah. i can't click my fingers very well oh that show's oh, not bad that's not good <laughs> mm. normally i can't yeah, do so it you
0: can't do it and you've just done it
1: i know i don't am not normally able i think it's the weather it's the
0: magic it's the gold dance magic of the flamenco dance right okay enough nonsense uh, we just need this time uh, to thank uh, johnny our producer Rachel, of course, um, I'm going to thank me as well. Why not? Yeah, well, right. thank you, Paul. Thanks, yeah, Paul. <laughs> I just think so too. All these seven series is the first thing <laughs> I get. I
1: feel really <Probably> bad now.
0: <laughs> and of course, you for listening and downloading in the numbers uh, that, that just keep on increasing. Thank you so much. And we'll leave you
2: with the flamenco dancing. <laughs> Genial. Andy Goulding. Beauty's only skin deep is a wise but ancient phrase. We've heard so often repeated, we've forgotten what it says. We have some other sayings about judging books by covers and the eye of the beholder and a half a dozen others. Through idiom and proverbs, simile and metaphor, we've analysed the subject. Why come up with any more? Ironically, however, as it's passed into cliché, the power of this wisdom has lessened by decay. It's self an illustration of why metaphors are must, since we've proved we're quite unable to look past the surface dust. And in a world that still persists to worship the cosmetic... Our duty is to show beauties more than merely the aesthetic. In adding more analogies to those that some deem ample, we need a different angle to enhance our new example. We could do worse than look upon the proud detectorist, who digs a little deeper to uncover what they've missed. There's swathes of green and pleasant land laid out there for your pleasure, but get under the surface and that's where you'll find the treasure.
0: Just a poor boy Though my story Seldom told I squandered My resistance For a pocket full Of mumbles Such are promises You've been listening To Spoiler Hosted by me Paul Tyler With Andy Goulding And Rachel Bennett Our theme music Was composed by Ron Butcher mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show, please do tell your friends about us, share links to our show, or write us a nice review on iTunes.
2: <laughs>
0: Next time on Spoiler, we're watching the 2015 indie science fiction thriller, Ex Machina. Is it strange to have made something that
2: hates
0: you? If you'd like to contact us, you can email us. Hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook or go to our website spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hoare and is a Joe Schmo production. The show is recorded at the studios of Siren Radio in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of London.
2: What you got?
0: Nothing.